This episode of Philly's Therapy is brought to you by Loop. Ask any ball player, and they'll say there's no better feeling than coming up with a big hit when it matters most. Download the number one sports card app and get those big hits for yourself. Join Loop and get access to live sports card streams all day, every day. Our community hits cards that are worth up to thousands of dollars every night. Get a piece of the action for yourself. Download Loop for free today at loop.cards. That's L-O-U-P-E dot cards. Loop, sports cards 24-7. Welcome to another episode of Phillies Therapy, where your Philadelphia Phillies are coming off a series win in San Diego. They took three of four from the Padres. They got back to their winning ways after dropping two more games to Texas, and nothing else happened. The end. Thanks for listening. Okay. Why is it always San Diego? <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing, I think, about this baseball team is that they've now found different lengths of time with which they can lull you into a false sense of security where you think, wow, maybe now everything is going to be okay. (laughs) And then, you know, uh, Blake Snell happens. So here we are, uh, June the 27th, Monday, June the 27th, the Phillies are off before a little bit of a homestand against the Braves, the Cardinals and the Nationals. And, you know, they're four games over 500. Awesome. Third place in the NL East, all right, not not amazing, but still in contention for a wild card uh, spot. And now their best player is out for bare minimum a month. Mm. And it just so happens that that month coincides with the ramp up to and through the trade deadline. Oh, great. I don't think this could have happened. Not that there's a great time for Bryce Harper to break his hand. I don't think this could have happened at a worse time. Maybe September. Um, but this is a close second if September wins. Matt, um, Matt Gelb, the Athletic Philadelphia, um, w- w- what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this? <laughs> I, you know, I think this week we're going to know more. You know, we'll know more about how long Bryce Harper will be out. But yes, like you said, I mean, I think I wrote this. I mean, you're looking at a minimum you know, probably at least a month. I mean, these injuries, if you look at the, uh, the history of them, of, of a broken thumb, you know, four to six weeks if it doesn't need surgery. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we just don't know that yet. And I think the fact that uh, we don't know that yet suggests to me that, like, it, it might be a little more of a, a complex uh, fracture. It's not to say that he needs surgery. I don't think they know that yet, but he needs to see a specialist. They need, uh, I'm guessing, going to get a couple opinions on it, it sounds like. Uh, I mean, just, you know you take a step back and you think about it. I mean, they're, they're 17 and six under Rob mm-hmm. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, they, they've, they've won in different ways. The bullpen has been terrific, <laughs> you yeah, know, guys enough. stepping yeah. up, you know, guys, different guys stepping up. Uh, you know, the, the rotation has been solid. Uh, they, they've been winning games in different ways. Different guys have been contributing and it's just, you think about the timing of this, the circumstances behind it. And it's just, it's just brutal. Like there's no other way to put it. I mean, <laughs> this guy had been doing everything he could to be on the field with a torn ligament in his elbow. 
Yeah. And he wasn't just on the field. Like, he was hitting at an elite level. Yes. I mean, putting up MVP-type numbers once again, mm-hmm. whether or not he was the MVP, I, I don't know. You could debate that. But MVP-caliber numbers uh, in, a, in a season where offense is down across the board in the sport. And you just you feel for the guy. Uh, I think mainly it's, it, he puts, you know, Bryce puts it, well, you know, best a lot. I mean, he's like, I, you know, I feel bad for the fans. And you're right. You feel bad for the sport. Yeah. You know, baseball is better when Bryce Harper is playing it. Uh, and it's a shame that it happened. I know people aren't angry at Blake Snell. Bryce Harper wasn't angry at Blake Snell. I mean, no. he was just, he was just angry. I mean, and, and you, and you, and you hated to watch that in a moment. Cause you're like, you can see he's like yelling and he's angry and you can immediately see him catch himself where he's like, I'm not angry at you. It's I'm sorry. I just, I don't have anyone to be angry at. It's like, right. you're the, you're the closest thing I have to, you know, someone to be angry at. But then I'm like, Oh, I can't even be angry at you. I'm just angry at, the world, I guess. I don't know. Angry at the situation. And I've been, it was interesting to watch the response in the clubhouse and, and, and on the field, uh, this past weekend in San Diego and, and, uh, you know, wrote a few stories about it. And I, I do think that the response, uh, was probably a little better than it might've been in previous years. I think they have, uh, uh, they're more equipped uh, both inside that clubhouse and on the field to handle something like this. But that said, uh, th- this is going to be, this is going to be difficult. Uh, even if it is only a month, uh, and, and I think it'll be more than that, but even if it is only a month, <laughs> you know, treading water while Har- Harper is out, like that's, that's probably what you're, you're, you're looking at, right? I mean, you're like, mm-hmm. let's just, you know, you let's hope, just try yeah. To tr- yeah. You're just trying to tread water. And, and and that's okay. Like if you can do that for a month or six weeks, that's fine. But I don't know that treading water, uh, you know, four games above five hundred helps right now because the the rest of these contenders in the NL are are, are really good. And, and I think it's going to take a lot of wins to get that six seed if that's kind of what you're aiming at. Uh, terrible timing. And, and <laughs> I, I kind of alluded this to this in in my story uh, in the Athletic on Monday. It, it, it's it's going to be really interesting because, you know, he, he probably needs to have some kind of procedure on his elbow, right? Yeah. And whatever you know, that they weren't, be. they weren't going to do anything until after the season, obviously, or, no. or until they fell out of contention, um, which, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that would have ever happened for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but let's say like the surgeon, you know, let's say they, the doctors tell him, hey, you know, y- you need surgery, uh, but on your thumb. But there's an outside shot that you can get back in September, you know, maybe for the last few weeks. Uh, you know, I, I know how Bryce Harper thinks. He's going to say, okay, great, let's do the surgery, the thumb surgery, and let's do everything we can to try to get back for September uh, and help this team. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm wondering, like, is there a point where they're like, okay, he needs surgery, and they're like, well, maybe you could be back in October uh, for playoffs, you know, but, but that's probably your best case. At that point, do they say, you know what, we're going to do the elbow too to make sure that you don't miss time anytime in 2023? I don't know. I mean, like you, you get into some real gray area there. Yeah, and, and there, are, there's so much give and take on on all of the aspects of this, right? You, you look at how much better it would be. Again, you know, stating the obvious here, not that any part of this is really all that good, but it would be better if the Phillies had some kind of cushion built up that could help absorb this a little bit. If they do need to tread water, hang right around 500 for however long Harper's going to be out, it would have been nice to have, you know, 
been up on a spot by a by a game and a half or two right. games or something right. like that. And instead, they still have ground to make up. And now they have to do it without their best hitter. So that's that's not the perfect situation to be in. I think if there's a little bit of a reason to be optimistic about the the compounding nature of these injuries that are piling up on him as if he were a hockey player and we're, you know, coming up on actually the end of the Stanley Cup finals and going to get those litany of, of uh, surgery details that hockey teams come out with. Now, it almost seems like Harper is the kind of guy who, you know, has the hockey player treatment where he needs all these different procedures, might need something we don't even know about at this rate. He's, you know, throwing his body out there every single day. Um, but I think back to when Reese Hoskins needed Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago. And because Harper's not a pitcher, because Hoskins was not a pitcher, the recovery time for Tommy John surgery is not as intense as it is for pitchers. Everybody is different, but it's entirely possible. I would think I am not a medical professional, but I would think it would be possible to continue to delay the elbow procedure, even if we're squeezing in a tight window of his return between, you know, August and September of the regular season, maybe the playoffs, where he could still have it after the season is over and be ready in time for April games. I or or only miss maybe a month or two yeah. of next year. Yeah, you're balancing. Which could be worth right. it. Exactly right. You're balancing. It's like, okay, well, what is worth? Yes. What is the value of three weeks of Harper in September in a pennant race versus him missing April 2023? And obviously, hmm. uh, you're, you're probably going to want him in September. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're right. I mean, I, there's going to be a lot that goes into this. And again, we don't know, you know, the timetable for his return or, or, or whether he'll need surgery or not. But, uh, at the very minimum, I think it, you're looking at least four weeks, mm-hmm. and the schedule is 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 difficult in the next month. Specifically, the seven games against the Cardinals, yeah. uh, a team that that you know is very much in play for uh, a, a spot that the Phillies are going for in the NL, one of the wild card spots. Although I think they're tied with the Brewers for the Central. So yeah, they're right in the mix uh, there. You know, I, I noted this, and I, I don't know, Paul, that I realized this. And maybe this is your reason for optimism going forward is that like the, the offense has, has in a way, like, I mean, really started, if you look at the numbers across the board, has, has underperformed again. Like you look at it, you're like, oh, like it's been good, but like probably not where it should be. So like, if you look at, I'll give you all these names here, uh-huh. Real Muto, Gregorius, Bohm, mm-hmm. Herrera, Castellanos, and Stott. Mm-hmm. obviously they all have OPS pluses under 100 right now, mm-hmm. meaning that they are below league average you know, yeah. relative to ballpark factors and, and then the scoring environment. That's one, two, three, four, five, six guys who you consider quote unquote, like regulars right now, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that was surprising to me. I mean, like, I, I, I guess I know that all these guys have had their struggles uh, but I also know that run, you know that offense is down across the sport, and so I mean, yes, the onus is very much on Schwarber and Hoskins, who have essentially carried this offense along with Harper. They really have. They're the they're the only two who had you know those those three guys are the only ones with OPS and Garrett Stubbs, over of course. Garrett Stubbs. <laughs> um, I, I I just you know. A lot's going to be on Castellanos and Real Muto, and and Castellanos, I had obviously had had four hits in, in Sunday's uh, yeah, win, and that was good Real Muto 
Real Muto, you know, showed a little bit of power uh, over the weekend for the first time in a while. Yeah, nice timing uh, with your story on that too, by the way. Yeah, it's funny because I, I <laughs> talked to him before the game. Uh, was it Thursday or Friday? I don't remember. The, the, the weekend was kind of a blur. Right. Uh, and uh, just ask him some questions about the, the swing. And he gave me, you know, I thought he gave some really, really good answers and some interesting answers about, you know, why he was confident that he had figured something out and, and explaining why it just hadn't translated. And then he hits a home run in, in the game that night. And then mm-hmm. joked afterward that I have to talk, I have to talk to him about his power uh, before every game <laughs> now moving forward. Yeah. You're and, the lucky uh, talisman now. And uh, you know, so there, there was some encouraging signs from him, but still, I mean, the, the overall picture is that of a, of a player who appears to be in decline offensively. Uh, they, they need more from him. They, they need, something from Castellanos. I mean, <laughs> well, the, the thing that's getting me about Nick, right. Is of, of those guys that you listed all the ones with, you know, under league average performance right now, he's the one I still have the most faith in actually turning no things around most significantly. No right. He's got more yeah. of the track record. You can see that. I don't know exactly what's wrong or why he's put up the numbers he has to this point. Like it's, it's all just been a little bit, strange i think he's he he's not the most patient hitter in the world but i think he's been chasing a little bit more especially lately to try and maybe make up for it i don't know maybe he's pressing but he's the guy who i look at among all those other regulars as the one guy who needs to step up in harper's absence absolutely but who probably stands the best chance because those other guys like you mentioned that there are really pretty legitimate reasons why they're underperforming with cassianos it just looks like he's having a bad year not that he's hurt, not that he's uh, overhauling his swing, not that hopefully he's dealing with any sort of personal or off the field issue that might be clouding his mind. You look at the rest of these guys, you look at Muto, who's aging, um, who's had a number of injuries piled up on him over the last couple of years. You look at Didi, who's also been injured and who zero has not been, home no pop, runs, no, no zero pop, home runs gone. Uh, Alec Bohm is um, to call him a work in progress is about as charitable as I can get now because if it's not one thing, it's the other, you know, he can sometimes string together good contact, but then there's very little pop from him and the strikeouts are still really high. I, just, I don't really know what to make of him right now. He's, he's kind of an enigma. Every time I feel one way about him, he starts playing the other way. Uh, Schwarber, like you said, is doing fine. Center field is a mess. Total you just, mess. you just, mm, Castellanos, it, it, it's Stop. not yet. Yeah, there are other guys. You just, you, you grit your teeth and you're like, like I, you want them to be better and you believe that they can be better than what they have been this year. But the only guy to me who really stands a good chance at actually putting up, you know, to getting that OPS plus, let's say up around 120 by the end of the year is Castellanos. And there's one guy. So that's a lot so, of other holes. If they, yeah. Don't, so now we just, yeah. Now we just talked ourselves into suggesting right? that they can't tread water. Oh, well, well, hey, we didn't talk about the pitching, which has been really good. And maybe it just becomes a case where, okay, we have a team that was built to slug and they still have some good hitters and they'll probably be able to score a few runs, uh, probably not as consistently as you would like, but you know, we've been surprised before, but the pitching side of things has really been nice. You know, you can't complain about the way Nolan Wheeler have been pitching. The rest of the rotation has been, well, I mean, you could probably be a little worried about Zach Eflin's health, but the rest of the rotation has kept them in games. The bullpen has started to pick it up a little bit, not on the whole. 
they seem to have found something legitimate in Andrew Bellotti, which is kind of amazing, you know, after all these years of Neftali Feliz and, uh, you know, all those other scrappy pickups who have flamed out spectacularly. We have a minor league invite who actually looks like he can stick. Maybe He's the pitching be, is what has to carry them. Is Andrew Bellotti their best reliever, minor league reliever signing since Jenmar? Is he... I mean, Jenmar wow. was like, Jenmar um, was a fine. I know as much as people hated yeah. Jenmar because like he was, you know, like shouldn't have been a close or whatever, but like he came on a minorly deal and like he was, you know, he was pretty solid for them for a while. But I'm trying to think, is there anyone else? Mm, that's a really good question that I probably don't have a better answer for off the top of my head and would want to look at because yeah, Jenmar was kind of frustrating and a completely different pitcher from, well, everybody from 10 plus years ago is a different pitcher than what we have now. But Jenmar was the, quintessential uh quintessential pitch to contact guy he was a ground ball machine he totally he was, wanted yeah. to he wanted to you know get warm burners and now Bilotti's coming in and striking out 25 percent of the guys he's facing out of nowhere more than that actually it's 35 out of 100 that's uh that's a tidy little 35 percent carry hello um but yeah he, he's certainly been the best that they've had in a long time and you just hope now he's not like a cinderella situation where the clock hits midnight and all of a sudden poof he starts pitching like a minor league invitee again well i mean right now he's feeling you know he's got a bigger role but he i don't know like you know he closed sunday's game but Mm -hmm. uh once brogdon comes back um from from his COVID illness Mm -hmm. you know bilotti is is still a guy's kind of you would say he's a middle reliever he's not a setup man and so yes he could pitch his way into even uh, a larger role but you know, he fits really nicely in that middle spot there. I mean, he's a, he's essentially taken Familia's, you know, spot on, on, on the bullpen depth chart. I mean, Familia has not pitched since – I don't think he's pitched since the Texas game, has he? No. Uh, no. It's hard to remember. I'm looking real quick. Yep, no, he has not pitched since that two-homer game, and that was oh, almost a week ago now, six days. So, uh, Bilotti uh, isn't like a guy who you're like, oh, he's our primary setup guy, He, you know it's nice to have a couple options back there. And he, he really, um, he, he's, he's been terrific. Uh, slider is really good. Really, really good. And he's throwing it more and they told him to do that and it's worked. Go figure. So, all right, now we need to look ahead a little bit because the team as it's constructed, I think we're kind of familiar with it at this point, they've been playing better, but in, you know, a way that doesn't necessarily inspire strong, Yankees like performance from what's left of the roster. Now that's now that Harper's out for a month or so um, moving forward. And they're trying to weather the absence of, of their best hitter and best player without the depth of some of these better teams. So now we have to think about, okay, we've kind of identified who needs to play hero ball here. We need to have uh, more from the offense for sure, where it's available. Some of the guys just at this point in the season or at this point in their careers, might be a little too far gone to really pick it up. I don't know. Hopefully that's still an open question. The pitching has to keep being as good as it has been lately, especially lately uh, for them to hang in these games, especially while their run output is going down. But this was already a team throughout the next month that was going to need to add external help. They were going to need to be in the trade market. They have a couple of trade pieces within their farm system that to us, as, as people on the inside and and you can add some color to this, I'm sure uh, having talked to people on, on the outside and rival evaluators, 
that have some value that could probably get something decent back if they're deployed properly. Um, it's unlikely that they were going to be playing among the Brian Reynolds, Cedric Mullins market. We've gone over that before. Either way, things have changed now. We already knew that they were going to add. I don't think necessarily their focus shifts to adding another outfielder because that's kind of insane, but things have changed now. They're going to be without their best hitter through the trade deadline. Do they double down on pitching? Do they try and add depth to that lineup to try and supplant things? Or figuring Harper is probably coming back at some point later this year. Do they wait for that to happen and bolster other areas? What, what does the situation look like to you and maybe those you've talked to in the wake of the Harper injury as we get closer to the trade deadline next month, or I believe it's first couple of days in August. It was pushed back a little bit. Well, August 2nd. Yeah. In, in five weeks or so. Here's my answer to that is I have no idea. Oh, I boy. really don't. I mean, like <laughs> I look at this team and I've been thinking All about right. it. And I talked to some people about it and I was like, what, what do you, what do you do now? Like, what is the target? Like, what's your primary target? Cause all this time we're like, Oh, they're getting, they got to go get some more bullpen help. You know, they need to think about center field, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a back of the rotation guy, probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and now like, you know, obviously this, this is just a snapshot in time, right? The bullpen has, has been pitching better. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you could look at it and say, well, maybe they need one, one guy back there. Uh, but there's, there's, there's imp- increased confidence in some of these guys. Uh, just given the way they've thrown. So then you look at the lineup and, and I think this is where I keep coming back to is, 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 is the infield, like some sort of infield yes. upgrade yes. at second or third base or shortstop. Really? There's three spots where you could, you could yeah, take if, your if there's right. And it depends on, you know, who's available obviously and what the prices of, of those players who are available, but that gives you a little bit of leeway because you have three different spots um, where you could, where you could seek an upgrade. Uh, and that's painful, I think, for them to say, because two of those spots are filled by young players who mm-hmm. you want to be everyday contributors. And you know that they're not going to be, uh, you know, you, you guys you're depending on for, for, you know, the middle of the lineup or, or, or your top producers. But you need, you know, everyday uh, players to come from within and, and Stott and Boehm are, you know, the two of their best if only chances of that. And oof. I mean, all, of all those guys we listed mm-hmm. outside of Castellanos and outside of let's outside of Castellanos and outside of real Muto. Okay. Like Gregorius, Bohm, Herrera, Veerling, Stott, Moniak, if you want to put him in there, like who in that group do you, are you like, this guy is the best chance of emerging here in the next six weeks as, as a, you know, a, a really solid lineup contributor. Oh man, like, <laughs> well, but look, I, the the part that kills me is there are guys in that list who I, I want to be better, who I think can be better than what they've been. And I don't know if I can confidently say that they're going to pick it up in time. You know what I mean? Like I, I want Bryson Stott and Matt Veerling to be hitting better than the way they've been hitting, but I just, I can't say that they will be because things have not looked confidence inspiring enough for me to go out on that limb and say, you know, you know who I think is a dark horse to really carry this lineup, Bryson Stott and his 38 strikeouts and 150 plate appearances. And you know, like I, so I think we just answered it. I think that they, they would have to say right now that their top 
target or priority has to be uh, another bat somewhere. Yeah. And probably an infield bat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and the more I think about it, the more it does make sense because depth will continue to be a problem for this season at all levels and all positions. I, I think things are, are very tenuous from the major league level to what's beneath that. I think but that's the, but, even under, yeah, you're even, yeah, but, yes. but the pitch, the pitching has been, as a unit has been the, the unit that's been performing the best for really the longest stretch of time. Like the offense has had its, its fits and starts, but now we're looking at basically two months of the pitching being the unit and the offense needs the most help. It, it needed a little bit of help anyway. Now I think if you just say we're confident in what the pitching is giving us, it's a little bit less of a priority. If the right deal emerges, okay, we'll entertain it, but we probably need to add a bat here. I the thing that the thing I start wondering about now is the the future is very much in play for sure. I, I I'm not suggesting this as a give up on you know any of the 25 or under guys. But if the right deal presents itself, and I don't know how much value they would hold at this point, does someone like Bomer Stott feel movable this year? I mean, yeah, but he'd be selling low. I mean, I mean, uh, with Bohm, I I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I I think you're probably past the point of, I don't know that you'll you'll ever be able to sell high on Alec Bohm. Yeah, maybe not. I, I, I feel like you're, you're probably at the point where, you know, it is what it is with him. And it's almost like you have to like, he has more value to, to you just trying to see it through and see if it works. And how many times have we seen the Phillies reach this point with young players where, <laughs> you know, they're, they're past the point of, of, of prime value in a trade. And you're like, well, we just have to like keep going with this guy to just with the faint hopes that he figures it out and turns it around for us because what we would get for him is not valuable. No, it's true. I, I mean, no, there's no way around that. There, there's no way around that. I mean, they have to. They, Mickey Muniak's going to play a lot in the next ten days. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to face a lot of righties. I don't know that they're going to face a lefty in the next ten days. So, so Mickey's going to play. Mm-hmm. And depending on your faith in Mickey Moniak, like I, this is this is as good of a shot as he's going to get to be in every day, or or um, sort of a regular major league contributor. And again, he his track record in the major leagues has suggested that he he cannot do it, uh, and and I know those opportunities have been sporadic, but uh, the the quality of the at bats just hasn't really inspired any confidence whatsoever. And I know he had a great spring, and I know also he's had you know a really solid last two weeks in the minor leagues. So they're just kind of hoping they can ride that. They really don't have any other choice. Um, if Mickey Moniak turns on, maybe. You know, maybe that just, again, pushes you toward trying to get an infield bat. But I do think you can also approach a trade deadline, not just for this year, though, Paul, right? I mean, because right. the spots that we're talking about right now are, are issues for next season, too. Mm-hmm. You know, center field and the infield spots, all the infield spots, huge questions for 2023. So, I mean, if you felt like there was a trade that presented itself where you were like, oh, we can address not only need that we have now, but also for next season. And, and maybe it requires giving up, you know, a really solid a young prospect from our system. Uh, that's something they have to really think about uh, because the, the same issues that we're discussing right now are, are not going away. I, I mean, if anything, that they're going to be even worse this off season. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I've, I've begun to think more and more and now I'm almost 
steadfast and resolute in thinking this, that the only things they should really be picking up um, are multi-year, the one plus guys. I mean, maybe you could find a mercenary reliever, you know, on the cheap, maybe, you know, somebody has got to cut a couple corners or clear a spot for somebody a little bit younger. If they're out of contention, like if that falls into your lap, okay, that's not really the most reliable way to go about things, but Hey, you know, maybe something could happen. The waiver wire changes every day, but it's for exactly the reasons you were just talking about that. We can't keep kicking the can down the road and think like, all right, the core's here again. We've got something on the precipice of contention. We just need to add a, a, a small little complimentary piece here and there. Um, you know, maybe maybe we'll add Wilson Ramos and Ezrubel Cabrera, and that'll be what <laughs> what gets us over the top. Yeah, you know, what a, like what a freaking trade deadline that was. You know, like and and while things worked out there, like Wilson Ramos obviously hit really well, even though he he couldn't walk, um, literally walk in this case. Um, like you you don't feel like this is a team that's going to benefit all that much from the, the the rental here because yes the 2022 team might see a slight uptick in their chances of making the playoffs or, or maybe making a run if they find a, a a good player out there whose contract expires at the end of this year who's you know almost a lock to test free agency even if there's an option blah 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 but then exactly what you were talking about that doesn't help anything for next year when we're likely to just run into these issues again if they can't solve it in the offseason and lord knows with a lot of money and, and different guys coming off the books this year, they've got a lot of work to do in the offseason again. You don't know if they're going to fill all those all those positions, all those those areas of need in one single offseason. And so the, the cycle just repeats itself. If they have the opportunity to add a guy who is, whether he's pre-arb or in his arb years or has guaranteed non-option money for 2023, I feel like that's the play if only because that's a tiebreaker that gives you a little bit of peace of mind for next year, when maybe you don't have to go through this whole cycle again, where we're talking about all the different things this team needs to do within the span of a month externally. You know what the, I mean? The, the problem is though, Paul, they haven't been in play on those types of players at the deadline because they haven't had Either they haven't had the capital, the prospect capital to acquire a player like that, or they haven't wanted to surrender the prospect capital required for that. Mm-hmm. I think they're in a better position to do that this deadline. We, we've talked about Logan Ohapi on this podcast before, yeah. an obvious you know trade ship here this summer. But the, the player you're describing, which in theory sounds great, it is it will be difficult for them to make that kind of trade. They don't have the prospect capital necessarily to make that trade. Well, they do, but I think the capital involved in a trade like that, and and th- this is staying theoretical because I'm not looking at a list of of candidates right. that I I've identified for this yet. We're not we're not getting too scientific with this, but if there's a good player out there who is available. The bigger names, some of the guys they've publicly postured as being untouchable, carry a lot of value right now. They really do. They I do. know, I know, I know people are like, you know, and Andrew Painter, Mick Abel, Griff McGarry, um, maybe even to a, a, a lesser degree, their rotation mate, Ben Brown. Like, there are arms, mostly on the arm side, if we're talking about this system, 
that are playing really well right now and might actually carry a little bit of weight. Yeah, I don't know if you I don't, can... I don't think they're they're not going to trade Painter Abel, and I don't think they should. Well, yeah, and may, maybe not. Maybe not. I I love the potential of these guys. I think what they're doing in the lower minors right now is absolutely outstanding and exactly what you want to see out of a guy you want to peg as a potential, you know, big time division one regular helper. You know, they're a long way away, but they're doing what they should be doing at those levels. But do you keep waiting two or three more years for them to arrive and help the 2025 team if it means that arguably your best shot with this current core comes in the next year or two to make a strong push like that. That's the bouncing act here. And I get that they've publicly postured like, no, we're not trading them. And I like that. I I like being firm in that. But part of me wonders like if, if this theoretical good deal comes, you know, to their table, I don't know what it looks like, but say a superstar becomes available. Do they suddenly change their mind and maybe part with one of them? To- totally could. Dombrowski yeah, I, has a history you know, of making that kind of trade. I think, though, you're looking in the next the next tier to me, like, you, you know, the question's going to be Griff McGarry, for example. Mm. Like, if the right deal comes along here in the next few weeks, is Griff McGarry a guy you trade? And that, again, yes, you have to really think about it because he's got tremendous potential. But, you know, there are some, there are some questions. You're not sure about the future role. I think you're going to see the guy promoted. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if he's pitching at double A or even triple A uh, in, in the next few weeks. Um, I, I think that's going to happen. So uh, they're going to push him, and, and that might be a way to possibly showcase him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Is there any chance he performs well enough at triple A? I guess, does he have enough time? Uh, to perform at AAA whenever that promotion might happen to put himself in September plans. I think so. Mm. I think they've talked about it. I've asked about it, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, like if you do, if you know, they, they really believe that he's a starter, right? You know, they, they believe that, that, yeah. that he can be a big league starter. Totally understand why they believe that the stuff is, is, is really tantalizing. But, you know, if you have a need at the big league level and you say, look, Hey, look, Griff, we, we, we think you are a starter, but right now, like we, we, we need you as a reliever in the majors and we're going to, we're going to pause your starting development for a few months and we're going to push you and we need you to be a six out reliever in the bigs. And I, I don't know that that would be the worst thing in the world. I don't know how much it would affect his development. I also know that like they, um, they, they haven't, uh, that's only gotten to like the cursory discussion stages. It sounds like it sounds like that's something they really don't want to do unless they have to, which I guess makes sense. You know, you don't want to have to do the break glass in case of emergency thing unless it's absolutely necessary. And, you know, maybe the Phillies put themselves in position to really need every bit of the cavalry to have to come through in August and September. That's it's 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 not ideal. Right. We're talking about the McGarry, Ohapi. Rojas, Lee, uh, Bucket, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the bucket we're talking about. I, I, I hear what you're saying about Abel and Painter. I, I hear it. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's a. Maybe there's. I don't know that a deal materializes in the next five, six, four or five weeks, where you're trading those two guys. Okay. I, I just, I mean, I'd be surprised. I would be really surprised. 
But that next bucket, yes, like I think those guys are in play here. And I guess it depends on how other teams feel about Johan Rojas, for example. Like I, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of evaluators who would be out on him. There's a lot of evaluators who 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 like the guy and believe that if if he was in their organization, they would be able to to make him a, a better prospect. Maybe buying low, yeah. <clears throat> I I ultimately I agree with you. A lot of this is devil's advocate. You know, I I don't think, given the state of things, it makes that much sense to absolutely empty the clip and put your very best you know guys in play for a deal because for one you're not replacing harper's production you know that that guy is not going to be out there on the trade market the yankees are not trading aaron judge at the dodgers are not trading mookie Betts. like they're yeah the and the, the, the Rays are trading yeah. ronald acuna right like you're not you're, you're not going to replace him this right year. and the caveat to this whole discussion is we, we need to know how long bryce is out yes you know like that obviously is going to affect their trade deadline plans. I mean, if he receives word that he he needs surgery and he will likely miss the remainder of the season, you know, you're, you're, you're not selling, but you're probably not cashing in big time chips. Um, although again, if you're cashing big time chips from your system, it's to acquire guys that are going to be with you beyond the season. So you maybe that makes, yeah. maybe that makes them more inclined to cash in big chips because they say, Hey, this is a deal that helps us right now while Bryce is gone, but it also is a deal that helps us next season when he's back. That's the only thing that makes complete sense to me. Like, even if we're going through that, that lower bucket that you, that you mentioned, you know, guys like how you Lee and, and Logan, Hoppy and all that, and not the higher tier guys from this system. It just doesn't feel like there's that rental guy out there that, you know, that makes sense. That doesn't feel like the best use of, of the resources. Dombrowski has that really, you know, aggressive penchant and reputation so I think we're going to see something interesting, but I don't think we're going to see those guys tapped to pick up a rental. No, there, no there's no, probably no. going to be, there's probably going to be a rental of some kind picked up. I just right. think like they're yeah, that's, you, you that's trade what a, an A ball, you know, yeah. lottery ticket to get a rental, but no, the guys that bucket we're talking about, you're only cashing those guys in for a player that is under contract uh, through at least 2023. Okay. So let's, let, let, let's, let's do prediction here. Let's think about this. Over or under, a little bit of flashback here, over or under 2.5 major league deals. This includes guys on the 40-man roster at the time that they were acquired that the Phillies make between now and the trade deadline in early August. So you mean guys coming back who go on the 40? Correct. Two and a half deals or players? Sorry. Deals. Deals? Uh, I don't know. That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> I found my other calling, odds maker. I guess over because they they are so in deep on this team. Right? They I mean, really are. They're, they're really in deep on this team. And even if Harper is out for the rest of the season, let's say, worst case scenario, they're in so far that I feel like they – they have to they have to to do as much as they can yeah i'm I'm with you i I think there's a good chance at three deals uh again don't know what they look like but the team has so many different holes to fill the team has decent prospect capital and i say this relatively you know they're not the dodgers or rays but they have enough guys who seem like they could be used to acquire you know not no names plus you know the deeper lottery tickets like you mentioned I think 
even despite the expanded playoff field, that we're going to be looking at a couple of teams that that uh, are going to sell their their expiring oh, contracts. Clear, clear lines have been drawn. Yeah, I, I mean there are you know, especially in the National League. I mean, man. <laughs> yeah, we got some snickers over in the NL. That's for sure. Um, th- there's not going to be a shortage of players available, um, and I really just think you know the 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 being almost underwater with this team in terms of being all in uh is a salient one here because you're pot committed to keep up with you know the mixed metaphors and you don't want to back all the way off after committing so much to this year yes there are future years involved for sure but you committed a lot to 2022 i would be surprised if i would be stunned if they take like a clintac kind of like you know, we're, we're, we're kind of one foot in one foot out deadline approach. I just, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. The, the cast of characters, you know, from the front office through the way the team is built, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. You know, I, maybe if they need to make money work, somebody on the Phillies major league roster goes back the other way. I don't know what that looks like. Again, so much is in theory this far out. But I don't think that it's a, you could sell a, an approach like that right now. You know, that was five years ago. We did that song and dance with, you know, haphazardly adding all these guys and, you know, the five first baseman lineup pre DH and, you know, just <laughs> the, the ridiculousness of that year like that. That was a long time ago already. And so that has gotten stale and you cannot sell that this year with this team with what's been put into it. I don't think that would go over well at all. And I think they know that. I think the team knows that. I don't want to make this seem as basic as it's about to seem, but these are, this is on base percentages. Okay. For uh-huh. players in the current Phillies lineup, real Muto 316, Gregorius 324, Bohm 295, Herrera 274, Castellanos 306, <laughs> Stott 223, Veerling 297. They need on base percentage. Like, I know that sounds as basic as it may be, but like, they are ninth in the National League right now in on base percentage. Yeah, it's not good. It's not going to work. Like, they need guys on base. And and when they were been playing well in this month, what has been happening? Schwarber and Hoskins have been on base at the top of the lineup. Some guys at the bottom have gotten on base, like, you know, not at a great clip, but when when they've been successful and they've been winning. You know, for example, Sunday, like Stott and Beerling get ahead, uh, get on ahead of Schwarber and he hits a big home run and they win the game and yep. they need on base percentage. Like they need to go get guys who can get on base. And it's been a problem for a while, obviously, but they they just need more. They need more of that. And I think I guess I, I guess I've just figured out my number one trade deadline target, I guess, right now, like your need on base percentage. I don't know. Is that too basic? No, no, it's not too basic, but I think it also aligns with. Um, probably their offseason priority too. They can just address it a little bit earlier in some ways. I, I, they're a bigger fish to fry in the offseason and, and you want them to be a, a player for more appetizing things uh, come the winter. But as far as this deadline is concerned, yeah, I, I think you know you could add an infielder that has a little bit more of a, a, a patient approach and hopefully start driving uh, or padding the RBI totals, I guess, of the guys who would be batting below them. The domino after effect of that too is probably that there's going to be a little bit of uh, uh, batting order adjustment 
you know, having Harper out for this long leaves a, a pretty big gap at number three in the order. I don't know if you keep Schwarber leading off for too much longer, but then who do you replace him with? Exactly. Like there are, there's there no are one. Of, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a lot of downstream stuff that, that gets unsettled by all of that. Um, I would have to think, I would have to think and hope that there is some kind of infielder that could make that spot work. You know, even it, even if they're like, I'll use this loosely, even if they're in the Jimmy Rollins mold of not getting on base a ton, you know, J roll is usually like a three thirty on base guy, I think from, you know, atop the order that would be great on this team right now. I would take that in a heartbeat. If there's somebody out there who can get on base a third of the time, it's not Ricky Henderson, but it doesn't have to be, you know, get him on top of the lineup and help out your bigger bats, especially while they're hot and you hope they stay hot through July. Now I'm going to spend, well, I'm pretty tired. Like I'm probably going to go nap when we're done here. (laughs) I already napped this morning. It'll come to you in a dream. I got the red eye back from San Diego. I got back in time to take my kids to daycare, which is terrific. And then I napped and then we're doing this and I'm probably going to nap again. But now I want to think the first name that came to my mind was a guy that they, they looked at in the off season. They wanted to trade for Chad Pinder. Do you know what Chad Pinder's on base percentage is right now? What is Chad Pinder doing for the Oakland athletics right now? Uh, His on base percentage is two sixty six. Oh dear. That's not where I thought that was going. The A's are really bad. I think we knew they were going to be bad, but wow. Cole Irvin's pitching well, though, still. All right. Well, Oakland is one of those te- <laughs> Oakland's one of those teams that you could probably, you know, pick from, right? Like, There's yes, a lot we- of teams to pick from. Well, that's that's true. The The pool is not small. It, it is, thankfully, going to be something of a buyer's market. There are going to be a lot of teams buying because the playoff field has expanded, and a lot of the races are pretty close, with a couple of exceptions. And there are some bad teams that are probably going to be looking to offload some guys. So, you know, Do you know who would be really good at shortstop right now for the Phillies. Oh, this name's going to feel good. What, what, what are you going to say? JP Crawford. Oh no. <laughs> Again, well, I know it wasn't going to oh, work here, no. but the fact that it wasn't going to work here is kind of an indictment on the whole thing. But oh, you know, he's like, a, he's like a, he's not a, you know, he's actually been, hitting for a little bit of power, but really, I mean, he's an on base. He was the, you know, that was, he is doing what they thought he would do. Right. I mean, the the player that he is right now is kind of the guy that like we thought he was going to be right. High on base, solid defense, uh, you know, run into a few balls. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I just pulled up his numbers, 350 on base this year. That's, that's fantastic. A 118 OPS plus. I mean, I, I look, I love JP. I've I've come to I've been at peace with knowing that <laughs> it wasn't going to work out here in Philadelphia. I'm happy to see he won a Gold Glove a couple of years ago, and you know he's not an offensive superstar. He didn't turn into Francisco Lindor. No, he's not but, a superstar. Nope, not by any stretch. You know he's especially this year and and last year he's just a really solid, solid. player. Solid. Um, <laughs> okay, now I'm going to be hung up on that. Thanks. For I'm that. sorry. I'm ah, sorry. You know, and it like, is—it's totally revisionist it's because it's like it wasn't yeah. going to work here. It wasn't. Right. I get that. Right. Totally get that. But again, a guy that they kind of sold low on. You know. Yeah. They, yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, on on that enthralling and uplifting note, uh, <laughs> in in summary, there's just a, there's a lot of work to do. Bryce Harper being out really only compounds what was already a a, a pressing thing and a, a hot button issue. Uh, the Phillies, thankfully, are playing well. They're getting good pitching. Kyle Schwarber has been on another planet. Reese Hoskins continues to hit well, and and some of the other guys are sprinkling in timely hits as well. Always nice to see. But they got to do more of that 
they got to have some heroes emerge uh, from the fire, forged in steel to lead this team on through Bryce Harper's absence, however long that might be. And hopefully in the next couple of days, we learn whether it is a more compound problem that Harper has to deal with and whether there's going to be surgery involved and all the other things that come from that. Um, or if hopefully they get their MVP candidate back in a month and a half, who knows? Uh, either way, it's it's a bit of a buckle up, hold on to your butts. We're going for a ride kind of situation the next few weeks with these Phillies. Hopefully we come out on the other side with uh, our hair only a little bit blown back. So we trudge into another week. This time the Phillies are coming up on a home stand. Hopefully they keep playing well in front of the home fans, even without their best hitter. And sounds like the couch is going to get bigger, Paul. The couch is the couch is going to get really big. <laughs> if this is any indication, if we are any sort of microcosm for what else is going on out there in the fan base. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to need a bigger sectional. All right. That being said, I think it's time for us to sign off and, and go take our respective naps. For The Athletic Philadelphia's Matt Gelb, I am Paul Boyer. We'll see you next week.